0: Welcome to Rem and Sam back at it again a little bit later we we didn't get a pot out last week but that's because we wanted to come on after week one NFL whole weekend of football Rem you happy falls here we got we got a little colder but you know we got better sports on we got we got sports are back
1: damn you have to be feeling amazing after Sunday, watching what your Chiefs just did. Your Chiefs look like the best team in the league. I feel like do you get credit for this? Go back to the last episode we recorded. It was your motivational speech to Patrick Mahomes. You called him True. your Michael Jordan. He needs to go out and yeah. show up the haters. Sam, they look like the best team in the NFL. Well I'll
0: say that's, it for you. That's why, that's why you're my co-host, because you know when to give my team props. And yeah, this this definitely, I mean, it was a it was a great game, forty-four to twenty-one against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals did have a lot of third strings, third stringers on their defense, but that still doesn't matter. Um, Mahomes looked comfortable, thirty to thirty-nine, five touchdowns, three sixty. Kelsey, of course, went crazy, but I was happy with what I saw. It definitely seemed like Mahomes that off work, you know, showed up. There was no, you know, stutteringness with all these new receivers. And that defense, you know, looks, looks attacking. It looks pretty attacking. I wouldn't call it elite. You know, obviously we're still going to rely on our offense, but I mean, our offense was clicking on all cylinders. And as long as we got, you know, 11 back there, I think we're just our 15. We're going to be just fine. Is it
1: easier for Andy Reed to call plays without Tyree kill? Your offense actually looked better than I remember seeing it. Last season, it felt like all the side-to-side stuff you guys were doing was just gone. You guys were back to attacking down the field, creating space for Travis Kelsey. He was back to being, by far and away, the best tight end in the league. Last year, you know, Mark Andrews, I know from a fantasy perspective, stepped up. I think pro football focus had Travis Kelsey ranked fourth. So elite, obviously, but now clearly back to number one overall. The space is there. You mentioned the off-season work that Mahomes was putting in with the receivers. I think he took a little bit He took some lessons from his brother with the social media stuff because he was good at posting all this stuff on Instagram and Twitter about him just like, you know, throwing these passes to the receivers. It's a different one every time. Oh, here's a clip of me doing it with Juju. Here's a clip of me with MVS, the backup tight end. Who's that? Fortson. He even he even looked like a weapon out there. It felt like there was a connectivity. It felt like there was an aggression to your offense that we you know, it's hard to say we weren't lagging last. You guys were in the conference championship. But again, time and time again, you were yeah. into the side to side into the conservative. Mahomes felt like he was a step back. Erase all that. We're back to normal with the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, Mahomes is running and gunning again. And it did feel like, you know, his last year, he was a little bit nervous. It, it seemed he was a little bit on his back foot. You know, it kind of seemed like the arrow was a little bit over, you know, with him and Hill. And, uh, you know, there may be some people against it, but, you know, I kind of understood getting rid of hell. hill. And uh, I think, you know, Juju is a talented wide receiver. I mean, he is a wide receiver number one. He has been, you know, he's had the pedigree out of USC, and he's had to deal with crazy circumstances. I mean, he had a screw in his hand during college. Near the end, he had to deal with Big Ben and how much of a mess that was. And, yeah, you know, Juju – he had a fumble this week and he has had fumble issues before, but this is a talented group of guys. We still got Kelsey, you know, who's still, like you mentioned, going to be the main guy on this offense. He's still going to be a farm be of the above, you know, one of the best, just flat out receivers in the league. Um, and as long as Mahomes is there slinging it around and we have Edwards, a healthy, decent run game. You know, there's a reason we won the AFC West 10 years in a row. And it's, it's continuing to be great, and, uh, yeah, I ain't worrying about anything. We have the enemy still. We have Reed still. So that offense is still going to be great.
1: In the absence of Tyron Matthew in the secondary, didn't notice it at all. Justin, Justin Reed stepped up. He was even playing kicker for you at one point. What was going on with that, Sam? Yeah. Ex- explain to me why, seen... why when Harrison Butker goes down, you wouldn't just, with Pat, Ma- Pat Mahomes in your offense, just go for two every time. Instead of having a safety come in and kick the extra points, it worked. He made one.
0: Why wouldn't you just go yeah, for two? Yeah, exactly. Because we're flexing on them. It's the. It's like you know. It's like a Warriors thing when you know when you have so much. You know, you're good for so many years in a row. You start getting a little cocky. You got to flex on them. So that's why we're. You know, we're flexing a little bit. You know, and uh, and then in, in a game like this where you know we're we're already up and nothing too serious. It's just like, you know, might as well give him some kicks. And, you know, he wants to do it, so why not have him go out there and do it? So, um, but the team that I actually think is the best in the league, I love the Chiefs, but I think the best team in the league played the very first game of the week or year on Thursday, and that would be the Buffalo Bills pretty much destroying the Rams for a half a football, but beating the Rams 31-10. And I love Mahomes. He's throwing dots, but Josh Allen is like – he's right up there. Now, he did throw two picks, but both of those picks were ripped out of the receiver's hand. I mean, if you look at it, it's as accurate as you can get. 297 yards, 26 to 31, and also the best running runner for his team, running back, running rushing yards with 56 yards, one touchdown. And that D-line, I mean – I I I'm not going to lie. I was a little skeptical giving Von Miller at this age such a big contract. But is it worth it, Ram? Is it worth it? Is this, is this your pick to win the Super Bowl right now, gun to the head?
1: Well, on on that Von Miller contract, it it is 6 years. It's a 6-year deal for a guy who's in what? His mid 30s. He's what? 32, 34, yeah. something like that. So that is a long deal for him. We'll see in the long term how it plays out. I was skeptical, like you, about that deal, but I was even skeptical about it for this season, and at least for game one, he came in and he looked really, really fast and was a great compliment to a defensive line that has had a lot of size and speed and athleticism there. Like, Ed Oliver is their tackle. They brought in Gregory Rousseau in the draft last year, who's big, long, athletic. Von Miller, obviously. Hall of Fame edge. We know his speed, his ability to dip around the tackle and get to the quarterback. It seemed like he was back to... I don't want to say peak Von Miller's speed, but it was it was a, probably his peak for what he could hit at this age. Looked maybe even like he had more juice than he did in the playoff series with the Rams last year. So that signing is going to work out for this year. And then when they get Tredavis White as well, that secondary, which we saw what the safeties could do in that in that Thursday night football game. And then they add in Tredavis White to a secondary, which they draft Kyrie Elam in the first round. He's supposed to be the, the number two corner next to White. And they have this other other rookie corner comes in i'm forgetting his name i apologize but they have like this other fourth fifth round rookie coming in wins the starting job over elam plays most of the game and even holds up well against like robinson and the other guys there so their defense looks in full shape and uh, this the one team that the bills have not ever gotten past in the playoffs sam
0: is your chiefs
1: so I know I know the Chargers are looming out there with the talented roster, but this feels like the team that you're you're eyeing as the potential yeah. AFC championship matchup. What is your scared meter at after what they just did to the Rams uh, this last Thursday night?
0: I put it at like a seven and a half and eight. Yeah, really? I'm pretty worried because of just how great Josh is Allen like a has nine. Been the reason why it isn't as high is cuz that offense from the rams was pretty it was it's pretty lackadaisical. they it was just pretty much going to um cooper cup and praying that he does something they didn't spread the ball around much stafford isn't like he's a solid quarterback but you know i consider him like a little bit better than jimmy G. A, you know he could get you to a super bowl he won't make make a lot of mistakes but you're not winning because of him and Literally in the Mahomes playoffs last play. year, he was a little bit better than Jimmy G and that's how they ended up. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think obviously Mahomes is a way better quarterback and uh, he'll have better. They'll have a way better offense, but I mean, that defense is not our The chief's defense. Isn't going to slow down Josh Allen. So that's why I still have it high. I mean, they, they didn't punt this game. I mean, that also had partially to do with, you know, them turning all over the ball so much, but you know, it's, it's definitely they're definitely my number one worry. You know the Chargers are a solid team, but you know I don't uh, you know I want to see them. They need a little bit more consistency. See, this has just been so many years where they've been so loaded with talent and they've been they haven't even made the playoffs, let alone you know and win. So with the Bills, I mean we're one coin flip away from them beating us last year. So they're 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 definitely my number one worry for this next year.
1: And if you were trying to poke holes in the bills and find weaknesses in their team coming into the season. You're looking at that stretch in the middle of last year where they really struggle. They lose a crazy, what nine, six game to the Jacksonville Jaguars who loses to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh wait, Carson Wentz does when you need to make the playoffs besides that, you know, they're struggling. They're losing, they're losing to bad teams. You're scratching your head at what's going on, but they seemingly fix that by just injecting Gabe Davis into their offense. His snap rate goes way up, I think, after week 12 of last season. And their offense really takes off. We saw it in the matchup with your Chiefs. And it carried over in this Thursday night game as well. He was awesome. In the first half, he had a deep play early in the game that set him up deep in field position as well. And it seems like they've got the balance figured out of, hey, Gabe Davis is stretching the field, going deep, and Diggs is working underneath. And he's, you know, if you have him in fantasy, he's a PPR machine. He's 10 receptions, 70 yards every game. But Dave, yeah. Gabe Davis That's is good. vertical. They've improved their slot with McKenzie now. Is in there. So the balance of their offense is seamlessly transitioned from where it was at last year. Even with losing Brian Dable, didn't miss a beat at all. Didn't even matter.
0: Yeah, it didn't matter. And, you know, it it's definitely it's definitely interesting that that's a good point you bring up is that they lost their offensive coordinator and they're still firing all soldiers and it'll be interesting to see if you know, Josh Allen continues to be this elite the whole year. They continue to be consistent. But in an easy division, I mean, they probably have the easiest division out of everyone. Maybe, you know, the AFC South has a little a little weaker as well. But it's definitely one of the weakest divisions. And um, so they'll at least have a couple easy games in the year. And I, they're definitely going to be tough to stop. It's going to be—I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they get the number one seed in the AFC. And, um, keep it rolling. But you had you had, know, you had the
1: de- you had the Rams number one in your NFC power rankings going into the season. They're the reigning Super Bowl champions. They're pretty much rolling back the roster. Ten points Thursday night, Sam. What's going on with the number
0: one team in the NFC? Um, what was that? Well, about that, about that. Um, I think I think the you know, Jalen Ramsey definitely it definitely seems too inconsistent. Um, you know, then again he is going up against Stefan Diggs, and that's really tough to stop. But he's definitely he definitely got blown up than he should more often than he should have. And that offense, I mean, they just they just don't spread the ball in passing. I mean, it was mostly all the Cooper Cup. You know, there was some to Shamushek. I think there were two targets to Allen Robinson, and one of them was a horrible shot in the end zone. And um, they they just need to spread the ball more. And it definitely seems like surprising for a McVeigh team, but they definitely need some more uh, creativity because it definitely – it seemed like it was a little bit lackluster in the plays they were running and, um, you know, against a solid defense. And also that O-line was getting pressured a lot. Like I think it was seven sacks in the game, and Still so Whitworth now. You know, exactly, I I, th- I think the Rams won the ring, and then they got complacent, and this is what happens when you get complacent. And you know, obviously, I put them number one out of respect for the team, but you know, after seeing them play, obviously they're going to go down in the rankings. Yeah, this is this was a
1: team that pushed the chips into the middle of the table last season, so there are obviously great pieces on the roster that are going to roll over and have great great seasons again this year, you know, namely Cooper cup all time wide receiver season leads him to the super bowl. He's going to have a great season again this year, but can everybody else around that do what, do what they did last year? Can the, the pieces fall into place in the playoffs the way they did last year with the bucks, not being healthy and just favorable matchups all the way around. They don't even have to play the Packers at all in the playoffs. You know, this again, last year's team, Great players this season. It's gonna result in them being a good team again this year. But when we're talking about winning the title coming out of the NFC, this is a this is a this is a tough start. This is a tough start. And luckily yeah. for them, luckily for them, the rest of their division did not impress because it was there for the Niners to take after Thursday night. If they are if they're impressive on Sunday, you know, they step up and they're obviously the favorites to win that division now. But um, the Rams are still they're still holding, holding their spot in number
0: one as of right now but yeah tough way to start. Yeah, and right now the Seahawks are leading the division <laughs> after a brutal uh, really ugly win on Monday night but yeah so that that that's definitely kind of a surprise for that league. But yeah, you know, I got it wrong with the Rams. I, I thought I didn't think it would be this bad of a drop off. I thought they'd be competitive, but if I pick between them obviously I go with the Bills in a game. But, you know, it's definitely it's a point that you brought up last pod is that they were built to win last year and they completed the mission. And now it's, you know, um, Ryan and running off the fumes of that. So um, it's definitely yeah, it was definitely a big disappointing game for the Rams. And it'll be interesting to see where they go on from here. So um, and now that you brought it up, you know, we got to we got to we got to support the local team before we get into uh, y'all. One of the. One of the teams I'm high on the NFC North this year for every team besides the Packers and the bears have my back. Duh bears and at home soldier field, muddy weather, they're bringing in the Cali boys or, you know, it's, it's all hot out there and bringing them into the rain and the mud and water and they slug out a win. And, uh, what did you think seeing some your own quarterbacks under pressure? Because I kind of like what I saw from both quarterbacks. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think either really outplayed each other. I think they just, you know, there's some good plays here, one or two plays. But um, what, do you, what do you think from, from players, from quarterbacks that, you know, we've barely seen? Do you think the Trey
1: Lance play today was defensible? Because nobody had them picked to lose to the Bears. The spread on that game, I think, was almost a touchdown. Trey Lance has never has barely started a game in his, NFL, in his NFL career. He's already a touchdown favorite on the road. A lot of people go, "Wait, Jimmy G is still there? Like, what? Are, what are the Niners doing? You know, they they throw Jimmy G this deal last minute where they work out where he's able to stay. Did they know coming into the season that hey, Trey Lance is not in the position after the off season that he needs to be in that he thought he would be in and we thought he would be in to take this starting job and lead us to a higher ceiling than Jimmy G came with his athleticism and his arm talent. Is that why they kept Jimmy G? But I don't, I kind of agree with you. Like Uh, I actually kind of see the vision for a Trey Lance led offense with what they did in this game, but he's a young, he's a young quarterback and he's already inexperienced as it is with his college career. He did not start a lot of college games. So there is going to be a developmental process bringing him along. The question is going to be for the Niners. Like, is this going to be the year that they want to do that? Because the NFC is wide open. They're competitive. You know, with Jimmy G, I've made this, I've said it time and time again for seemingly years now, Sam, that if you have Jimmy G on the Niners as your quarterback, you will be competing for Super Bowls. Maybe that's what they see at some point in the season. But do you think the Niners are going to be patient enough to bring Trey Lance along this season? And is it going to be, is it going to be worth it?
0: I mean, some of those passes he had, you know, there was one or two that looked really great, you know, so I definitely think it'll be worth it, but I don't know. They're not going to be patient. They're definitely going to force him. And, you know, it's definitely going to be, it's going to, there's going to be some bumps in the road just like today. And I think they're still figuring it out. You know, it's Justin Fields' second year as a starter with the Bears. And I definitely liked, what they changed up, you know, this year with Justin Fields, having him run more often, you know, and I think teams will be more ready for that. I, I don't I don't think the 49ers really were equipped for him to be, you know, more of a runner. Um, he made one or two good passes, you know, he did sit in the pocket. I I I think both of their play was pretty comparable. It's just the Bears' defense stepped up. They're used to the weather. I think the weather did have a play in it because, you know. They've been out here all summer and it's the first really wet and rainy, you know, some of the best pictures I've seen from a football game in that game. I mean, if you got time, go check out. It's it's pretty cool. You know, them sliding in the water. I thought that was fun. And, you know, it's a good confidence booster for a team that, you know, most this year is going to be pretty rough for them. We know they're going to probably be the worst team in their division. But, you know, it's, it's nice to see, especially with Justin Fields as a young quarterback, you know, at least one win over the year. So um, because it's, it's, it's going to be looking bleak the rest of the year.
1: And it feels like it feels like with Justin Fields more so than any of the quarterbacks in his class, that when he's playing his, his completion percentages can be low, his yardage, all of his numbers are a little off. But if you watch him and give him the eye test, he always has like one or two like, oh, wow. Like tight exactly. place. I think he had one again in this Niners game where he's under pressure. He roll like spins, rolls out to his left, looks, throws it all the way back across the field, receivers wide open. That was their first touchdown of the game. Like, how many? Oh, wow, Trevor Lawrence places has there been? I get he has the prototypical size and athleticism and ability. Mac Jones probably and put Urban together. Meyer the most, last year. Yeah, Urban Meyer did not help. Mac Jones probably put together the most productive rookie season. You know, Davis Mills, ups and downs, Trey Lance, he has the athleticism and the abilities, did not outperform Justin Fields today. But he more so than any of the quarterbacks in his class has produced those big plays. It would just be nice to see him in an offensive line that can actually protect receivers yeah, that so. are competent. But true. yeah, my Justin Fields stock, it's not going away yet. I'm still I'm still holding yeah. on to it, even though I don't believe in that very
0: situation for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, you know, I, I definitely like the direction it's headed. Um, definitely like at least changing it up, you know, having him run a bit, you know, at least something different because, you know, it's it's interesting to experiment, especially when you know this isn't going to be a competitive year and who knows something might work. So um, the other game I was really excited about in the NFC North, I kept trying to tell Packers fans, watch out. This year is going to be, it's going to be rough this year. And guess what happened? the, Vikings came out and pretty much destroyed the Vikings. It's only 23 to seven, but you know, just looking over that game, Rodgers had no air to breathe. He was getting murdered on every side. And you know, Jefferson again showed why he's, you know, top two, top three um, wide receiver in the league. And you know, is it? Should we lock it in now? Put your bets down that uh, Vikings are going to win the division? Because I've been on this since before the season even started. I, I, would, I would still be skeptical to
1: overreact to the Packers loss, even though this is, this is overreactions. It's week one. The Packers yep. suck. They're awful. They should have bought a receiver. They should have kept Devontae Adams. But they didn't have either of their tackles in this game. And it, when you think about their offense and how much bootlegging and side-to-side running that Aaron Rodgers is doing, not having those tackles out there to block. And they're good tackles, too. We're talking about Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are two of the best at their position. Zadarius Smith, the former Packers, destroying the guy across from him the entire game. I get, I get the, the, the receivers for the Packers are young and experienced. This was a rough first outing for him, specifically Christian Watson. He drops the wide-open 75-yard touchdown. But if you watch him on that route, he cooks Patrick Peterson. So he got, he got open. It was a great route. These guys are young, but I think I think as the season goes along, they'll be okay. The defense will still be good. They'll get the tackles back. So I'm still not off the Packers train. But what has happened here, Sam? We flipped because I'm always the anti-LeFleur guy, and now you're on everybody in the NFC North except for the Packers. And I'm like, hey, wait a second. Let's hold hold the horse. The Packers are still good, but you know they need to
0: get back to being healthy. We need to give these guys time. But what we flipped. I know. It's weird. The thing is, is I, I'm not going to blame LaFleur. It's not LaFleur's fault. You know whose fault it is? The guy who plays the, the game on perks, man. He's literally on a perk. There's the one situation where they had like a bootleg, and he was like getting blocked, and he got shoved, and he, you could see him swaying, man. I mean, this guy's literally out there on drugs playing, man. Like, someone needs to, I don't know, the league, something's got to be illegal about that. But I mean, it's been Aaron Rodgers who has been hurting this team. You know, maybe that – I mean, yeah, we know Adam's always wanted to go with the Raiders, but, you know, there is a chance that could have probably helped him on his way out. And at the end of the day, they've been to three NFC championships. They've choked every time. And, you know, this year they'll probably saw it again. But I just feel like the Vikings are on a rise, and they got a new coach. Their offense is explosive as ever. Their defense, you know, has another year under their belt. They had a really young defense last year that really got destroyed. But hopefully this year they can have a show a little growth. And we'll we'll see. It's going to be a close race. But this first game, I mean, it just, it, it really, it really, it just showed how bad, you know, and again, we know they're rookie young wide receivers, but still, I mean, they it's still rough. And I mean, there was like one deep, ball that was on the money it was in stride to a rookie wide receiver for a touchdown and he just dropped it it's gonna be it's gonna get worse before it gets better and the Vikings are on the rise so I gotta go with the Vikings it's not LaFleur's fault but he's gonna it's gonna be on his record poor guy and the 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 Zimmer to
1: O'Connell upgrade could that be the that could be the you know that could have the biggest impact on any on any team for any coach hiring this year. Cause the offense is wide open. Jefferson's just running down the field with nobody covering him, just wide open in space, doing all the Cooper cup stuff. They brought in, brought in this Rams offensive coordinator to work their offense, to have Justin Jefferson do the Cooper cup impersonation. So if he's going to do the Cooper cup impersonation, and you're going to tell me that it's going to lead the Vikings to a division title, I'll believe it. It's not going to lead them to a super bowl. I don't think the roster is quite there yet, um, Yeah, but the, The offense, it it put Kirk Cousins in a position to be smart, which is really honestly just throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson. But he played Mm -hmm. mistake-free the entire game, really efficient. Jefferson, they created space for their best player, which is always what you want to do, obviously, as a football team. Just way more competency from an offense that we knew had elite pieces, and now they actually have a guy in there that can use all these elite pieces in the right way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely nice to see it changed up. And, you know, also the Lions played really well, took your Eagles. I know they're not your team, but you really are high on them. Took you, took your Eagles almost down to the wire. So, yeah, it's, that division's tougher than people think. Yeah, definitely need to keep an eye out on. Um, let's see here. So, moving on, let's see what's next on the list. For another team having the Super Bowl hangover, the Bengals. Tough, tough loss. I love, you know, we call him Joe Bird, Joe Shiesty. That man's had seven or five turnovers all by himself. Four picks, a fumble. You know, he did have 338 yards, two touchdowns. But, um, you know, jo- Jamar Chase still cooking 129 yards, one touchdown. But I got to give a shout out to my boy Mika Fitzpatrick. I've loved him to- ever since he entered the league. And I'm so happy he was able to get that pick six. I mean, he I mean, when you watch that from the camera view of the quarterback, you can see he was baiting the whole time. And he just I mean, he just murdered that. I mean, that was purposeful. That wasn't lucky. And T.J. Watt, you know, there was a play where he had a tackle for a loss, which made the next play. I mean, Burrow had to pass it and he got a pick. So I've always loved I've always loved Fitzpatrick. And T.J. Watt has been a joy to watch his last couple of years, but I mean, is this, are, are we should we be worried about Burrow or is this just a ridiculous defense? We should give
1: credit to Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. You're correct because Joe Burrow and Jamar chase, one of the most dynamic duos in the league led the Bengals to a super bowl out of nowhere. We didn't see it coming. And they were just out by Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. That was a better duo on Sunday defensively than Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were offensively it, almost every mistake that Joe Burrow made in that game was directly related to one of those two guys. You mentioned obviously the pick six Fitzpatrick beautifully baits him into that. He had another interception where he was like throwing down the middle of the field and has to throw it a little bit further inside than he wants to. Cause being Fitzpatrick is coming from the one way. And then that other guy gets the pick TJ Watt had one interception. There was pressure that caused another one. These guys were direct directly affecting everything that was going on. But the Steelers have invested heavily in these guys. I mean, TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. Minka Fitzpatrick was once the highest-paid safety in the league. It paid off on Sunday because those guys were absolutely outstanding. He even blocks the extra point. At the, nobody ever blocks extra points to win the game. Minka Fitzpatrick comes through out of nowhere, blocks Evan McPherson, the, the clutch guy. That was one of the, That was one of the concerning things, honestly, from the Bengals because it felt like last year... They were just in scoring range from a, a longer distance than a lot of teams. They could get they could get the ball across midfield. McPherson can kick it from anywhere. He's awesome. He's clutch. They're going to get three points even if they move the ball just a little bit, and their offense was great at moving the ball. McPherson was inconsistent, and their offensive line, which we thought improved, we thought they invested heavily in that in the offseason, and it struggled as well. So hopefully if you're a Bengals fan that that is just the Steelers' defensive line is unbelievable TJ Watt is awesome Alex Highsmith is maybe a star in the making Cam Harewood is obviously a stud hopefully that's the reason the mm-hmm. offensive line struggled but if not like that's that's the thing that this team was missing they went out and they tried to fix it and all of a sudden week 1 Joe Burrow's back under pressure
0: yeah that was mika i didn't realize it was mika who blocked that extra point took him to ot for that win cuz he was he was insane I, in that game i mean that was the dumbest trade the dolphins ever made I mean, imagine, imagine their defense now they had them. Like I, like I always say, man, when teams get a chance to watch film, they get in the lab and they just sit down and watch film. That's when quarterbacks get figured out. And there's always a decrease after, you know, an initial great year. There's always a step back because teams figure it out. And especially that, you know, have those great players – When they have such great games, that's because they've spent all that time in the lab watching their tendencies, watching and watching what they do. And that's how Fitzpatrick was able to bait Burrow into that pick six because he knew what he was going to do. And, you know, especially obviously with him being in the Super Bowl, you know, you have all this film, all this time to watch. And so he, he I mean, that's how they figured it out. And that's probably that's a huge part of their game, because, you know, at the end of the day, like especially, you know, and I know you know this but just making the point. Once you're in the league, I mean, everyone is at some point a talent. Everyone's you know, everyone is so physically great. So then it's a mental game. And especially with guys like that, where you're you know, you're pretty much dueling with a quarterback. It's, it's a mental game of, you know, how, how are we going to bait him and how are we going to create turnovers? And with such talented guys like T.J. Watt, defensive player of the year, his stats have been crazy the last two years. And one of the most best cerebral guys in Fitzpatrick. I know I keep loving on him, but, I mean, when you hear all the testimonials out of, out of Alabama, team stacked with, you know, so many NFL players, and they're like, this is the guy. He's the captain. Saban loves him. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's the worth ethic and time put in. So Burrow is going to have to adjust. He's going to have to change some stuff because teams are watching and the great ones are going to figure him out and, you know, they respond. So, uh, it's definitely, I, I, it was a great game to watch. And, you know, obviously we love my boy, Joe Shiesty, but you know, he, he's got to come back down to earth and realize he's not the only great player out there.
1: And the Bengals were, like they had chances at the end of the game to pull it out. Obviously, if they just block and get the extra point, they win the game. You know, if Jamar Chase gets one one foot down on one of his however many touchdowns they called out, that that benefits him as well. I'm sure Joe Burrow won't turn the ball over. So the formula for a typical Bengals win still kind of played out over the course of that Steelers-Bengals game. They just obviously weren't able to finish it off. And if you're a Bengals fan, that's concerning because you know, season to season, the Super Bowl hangover thing. You go, is this the year where just no lucky breaks? Nothing goes our way. You know, McPherson's clutch all year. And now, all of a sudden, the tables are turned against him. So maybe maybe there's some bad karma Super Bowl hangover stuff here for the Bengals. Damn. But the formula is there. So it's really, can the offensive line gel together? Can it block for Burrow? Can the investment they made there pay off? Because ho- hopefully it was just the Steelers is, is insane. Because Watt, Watt was obviously awesome. Highsmith, too. Highsmith was great in that game. Highsmith was wrecking Jonah Williams, Cameron Hayward's a stud. So maybe they were just – maybe that Pittsburgh's defensive line is too good. I feel like the Steelers were, like, in the playoffs until T.J. Watt got hurt. Yeah. We were like, ah, wow, this is unbelievable. This defense is insane. Trubisky is competent on offense. What is happening? And then Mm -hmm. T.J. Watt goes down. It it doesn't matter. We needed something, I think, to, like, write the Steelers off after this week because – we can't be writing Mitchell. We can't be like writing Mitchell Trubisky all season, hoping mm. you're trying to make the playoffs. That's not the place you want to oh be in gosh. his fan base.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, you can't. But this, I mean, this game was pretty much a defensive masterpiece, and it was really fun to watch. All righty, and uh, another game which I thought was a little bit of a defensive masterpiece, but you know, it, Rem might disagree. We can't. We can't keep dodging it. The Colts with the tie against the Texans. Does a tie hurt more than a loss? I don't know. It seems a little weird. 20 to 20. Welcome to the Matt Ryan experience. I mean, that's that's all I got to say. I mean, Ram, just just walk us through what what's going through your mind when uh, the Texans are up 20 to three Man,
1: Damn, you were saying during the AFC preview. That Hey, Matt Ryan, he's an interesting quarterback when you're down 20. He'll keep it interesting. You can't turn the game off. Who knows? You always have a chance when, with Matt Ryan down 20. I'm thinking, wait, what, why, why is Matt, why is he saying that? That means that means we're down 20 at any point. We're playing Houston week one. Of course, we're never going to be down 20. Well, all of a sudden, what? It's, it's 17 to three. Matt Ryan looks flustered. He looks hurried. He looks like he's trying to do much, to, do too much in the first half of that game. He's trying to be the superstar quarterback the Colts need. And it's like, hey, Matt Ryan, we just need you to be confident. We need you to settle down. We need you to make reads. You know, Chris, Chris Ballard is, has been a, a great GM. He's been a really smart GM. He's built a very budget-friendly team. It's got great players and very important pieces. He's drafted studs like Shaquille Leonard, Jonathan Taylor, Quentin Nelson. I mean, come on, my favorite. Maybe my favorite Colt of all, all time, Quentin Nelson. Deservedly so deservedly the highest paid guard in uh in NFL history, Quentin Nelson. But it he's approaching the quarterback position. Like he's built a roster that can win in spite of it. And that's just that's just not true. The roster is good. It's got studs. It can't win in spite of an average quarterback. It's not one of those, it's not the 49ers with their defense and Kyle Shanahan and, Hey, let's just plug Jimmy G in here. And all of a sudden we're going to the super bowl. He thinks he can go, Hey, let's, let's bring in Carson. Philip rivers. We'll try him. Let's try Jacoby Brissett. Let's try Carson Wentz. Let's try Matt Ryan. He's time and time again, gone out and gotten below average to above average play at quarterback. And that's been the ceiling of his, of his teams from year to year. They've been below average to above average teams. And the, the team that we saw at the end of last season, with Jacksonville rolls over into week one. They tie with the Tennessee Titans. I, I know, I, I know they'll, I'll talk myself back in. They'll be better. Yada, yada. The Colts are sloppy in week one, but the same question marks that we have time and time again for the Colts. Frank Wright's play calling with the fourth down call just time and time again. It seems like there are multiple games a year where he is head scratching fourth down plays the average quarterback plays. I'll, I, I'll, I'll shut up, Sam. Just stop me. Stop me. Whenever this is, this is too much. I can't help it. The Texans, the Texans are supposed to be the worst team in the league. We're supposed to win the division.
0: Hey, look, man, it's your team. So shoot, you can have as much airtime as you want. And, you know, I, 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 you know, like you mentioned, I did bring it up. It's Matt Ryan. It's what he does every time. And, he goes down big every time, and then in garbage time, he suddenly looks like, you know, prime Joe Montana dotting guys up. And then, you know, he somehow – sometimes he squeaks out a win. Sometimes he absolutely falls on his face. It just mostly depends on when he turns it on. But, you know, he – again, I mean, the pick was really rough. I mean, there was – I mean, that was triple-covered. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, he was continuing. He played really well. I mean, 31 carries, 161 yards, one touchdown. It seemed like he was they had they handed him off early and then near the end. So it didn't seem it seemed like, you know, they should have probably gone to him more often. I personally think 31 carries is a lot, but considering how Matt Ryan was playing, who knows? But um I think an interesting note is I think Michael Pittman is ready to be a number one wide receiver. He does. He does look like he's starting to push, you know, being a great wide receiver. He's he's uh he, he's definitely under the radar for a lot of people. And um, I think fantasy guys watch out for him because he I mean, he had 121 yards, one touchdown. We know Matt Ryan likes to sling the ball. And, you know, I've, I've liked Pittman since he's come in and I really wanted him to take that step. And it seems like he might this year um also i mean your team didn't play horrible too i mean your defense quitty pay coming up big in overtime two sacks so you know there's there's some stuff here and there you know but i mean you guys did make davis mills look like a solid quarterback Um, so i don't you know it's 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 rough for you all right now because i mean it's interesting you know during the offseason we all act like You know, there's such huge gulfs between teams and these teams will be whole absolutely horrible and absolutely great. And you realize it's actually not that far and teams are pretty similar in any given Sunday, you know, anyone can lose. So, um, you know, you guys still got a tie. It's not a loss. You know, it's not a win either, but uh, it's a starting point. And, you know, just get ready for this Matt Ryan roller coaster. So. It's going to be a long season, man. It's, it's a long season.
1: And they'll they'll correct they'll correct some stuff. They'll they'll write the ship. You know, they'll be like a 9-10 win team. I know that. Frank Wright always turns around a solid season. But it's just Chris Ballard's time and time again every offseason inability to solve this quarterback issue and just week 1 we go, "Oh, I know exactly where this season's headed. I know where the ceiling of this team is." And it's the same it's the same ceiling that the teams have had the last five years with the last different quarterbacks, the last five different quarterbacks. He's tried. It's a tough spot when Andrew Andrew Luck retired. I get that. You know, I want to give him a, a grace period for having that. You think you have a guy entering his prime who's going to be an MVP caliber quarterback. He's a number one, former number one overall pick, just gone in the middle of his prime. It's a tough thing to recover from but it's been five years now. He's had five different off seasons to make different moves and he's made these moves every year. And it's the same, it's the same move every time for the same level of guy. The ceiling on this team is the same. It's I I'm let's still win the division. We're going to be good. And I don't want to be overly critical of a guy of a quarterback who's come in and been really important to the city and the locker room in a way that previous quarterbacks there have not been that. That has been stabilizing for the team, and that's going to be beneficial in the long run. But I know what the ceiling of this team is. They showed it in week one. They may get the AFC South banner, but you know this, we're going we're gonna to be at a point in the season where it's like, hey, are the Colts a sleeper Super Bowl team? We do it every year. <laughs> They're the cute Super Bowl team every year. It's like, no, we're not. Matt Ryan in a playoff game is just not going to happen.
0: I mean, shoot, we you got to first get him to win regular season games. Um, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's it's definitely um, it's tough, it's tough because it's. I mean, you guys have had a turnstile at quarterback every single year, and like you mentioned, I mean, at this point, it's you know it's a GM philosophy, and uh, to see you know a week like this is obviously like the worst case scenario for uh, Matt Ryan, you know, besides actually losing and you just the way he played it was it, it, you know it was matt ryan-esque especially older matt ryan so you know another week another ryan being rough uh and that was that it was tough to watch it was definitely it was definitely tough to watch because you can see um you can see all the pieces around him that are improving you know your young guys like Pittman and pay you know they're starting to step up starting to grow into their own and it's tough to watch, uh, you know, someone who's holding you all back. So another team, though, like you mentioned, a lot of people staying the same. Matt Ryan staying the same. Another quarterback is staying the same, and I hate to admit it, but, you know, maybe a little decrease. Tom Brady coming out on Sunday night football and, you know, pretty much holding his stake, holding his claim as, you know, an league quarterback in the league. But, you know, we already know we've had so many conversations about Tom Brady and his age. I think the more interesting conversation is, is it time to start asking long-term questions about Dak? What do we do with him? I mean, at what point? I mean, again, we're overreacting starting off the season. But, you know, is, is Dak the future? Can, can we rely on Dak? Is it, is it, if you had Dak, are you, are you, are you keeping him long-term?
1: I was a, that was a tough game for anybody with Dak Prescott's stock. You've you've always mentioned the Kirk Cousins versus mm-hmm. Dak Prescott argument. You know, the statistic statistically, right statistically yes. these guys are very similar. I've always been on team Dak Prescott because I thought between the two quarterbacks, he was better at just making decisions. He's good pre-snap. Post snap, he's just you know, he's gonna find the right read. He's gonna make the right read more often than not than cousins, but Hey, he decides to slide with no timeouts in a playoff game at the end of last year. They're eliminated. They're done. And then this year, statistically, to open the season in the first game, he's statistically one of the worst quarterbacks, has one of the worst games of any quarterback in week one. And just eye test watching it, too. It was not good. We, I was in a dynasty league this year. I, I took CeeDee Lamb really high because I thought at least Dak is going to at least an above average quarterback in this offense, no matter what they do, but I don't know. So I'm flustered on the Dax talk. The eye test was not good. The stats are not good. And now for him, the thumb's not good. Eight weeks, he's done. He's out.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a tough, tough, uh, tough time to go out. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting where the Cowboys go going from here. I think the Cowboys are obviously just going to keep it rolling. They're going to stay with the same guys. Same. I mean, they're still selling shirts and all that. It's it's definitely interesting to see, like, you know, and we want to consider Dak a young quarterback all the time. But, you know, he is 29 years old. We are starting to get, you know, it's starting to be that time where it's like, yeah, they got to show it or we got to start looking at some other options. Because, you know, unlike the guy on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady. You know, we can't be relying on you to be great later in your career, which is crazy that Tom Brady, 45 years old, is still great. Projection right now, at what age is Tom Brady retiring? 50? 55? Yeah, to pick an age. He's
1: always said 45. He will be 45 this season. And it does seem like this will be Tom Brady's final season in the NFL. He didn't go out on top last year and we did the NFC power rankings. I put the bucks number one and we did see it after this week one, but the path is there for the bucks to just walk back into the super bowl. The NFC is in flux right now. We don't know who's good and we may not week to week. It may just be a different, you know, Packers and Vikings. We may just never know every week. It may be Packers better one week. Vikings are better the next. We get into the playoffs. All these teams eliminate each other. Tom Brady walks into the playoffs. The defense was great against dallas even with the the incompetence on offense i know but the defense was awesome it played well and tom brady he's 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 still you know i he's is he physically limited at 45 like he he underthrew julio jones on a deep pass at one point could have put a little extra on it but his ability to just get to his spots he's lebron james sam he just he can get to wherever he wants on the court he can get a pass to wherever he wants the Leonard Fournette power run game is still there. The offensive line is still good, even with the injuries. They've still got three, uh, the two all-pro guys with Werfs and Mason, and then the left tackle is really, really, really solid as well. So the pieces are there, and you know Tom Brady come playoff time is going to be, nobody's going to take that guy out. And the NFC in flux, the Bucks look solid. I said it before the season, and I don't feel, I don't feel any weaker about it. I still feel strongly about it. I feel like the path is there for the Bucks to be back in the Super Bowl. For the NFC, it wasn't awesome, but I feel like they're still number one right now. I feel like Tom Brady is still the man to beat the NFC, Sam. Who knew? Who knew Tom Brady was the man to beat?
0: Sounds like you did with having him number one. Um, like we all know, did because he's been playing. It is interesting to see. the with GOAT the, for 20 uh, the buck. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. It's just crazy. and. You know, it's definitely it was a little wishful thinking, obviously, for him to be in the decline. But also, you know, he like you mentioned, he is turning 45 um, and I will see if this is his last season. You know, he already has there's already divorce issues with him and his wife. So who knows what's going on with that? You know, because she obviously wanted him to stop playing football. And it's, you know, he might, it might, this might be it, you know, it might be last time we're seeing such greatness and it's just, you know, just annoying to see him continue to be good, bro. Cause you know, obviously we want him to be done, but in a division where the Falcons and saints are actually really close, you know, the Panthers lose to the Browns. I mean, their, their division isn't too much to sweat over. There's no one even close to their level in there. You know, maybe the Saints could do something interesting with Jameis Winston, Thomas, and their team, but nothing serious. So they have a pretty easy path in their division if they win their games. And, you know, once you start going outside of the division in the NFC, it's, it's pretty, like you mentioned, really in flux right now. You know, not really any clear-cut elite teams besides them. So, you know, and again, it's week one, so who knows? Things can change. But, you know, I thought that was a pretty interesting – Interesting result, right there. Maybe,
1: maybe the Saints and the Falcons are, are really the two teams that are most equipped to actually beat the Bucks in a, in a playoff game. I don't know how I feel about the are the Packers. You know, the Packers aren't going to beat Tom Brady, the Stafford at this level. Yeah. The Bucks the Bucks have had problems with the Saints the last couple of years. The Saints swept them. They're bringing back Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas had a pair of touchdowns against the Falcons. The Saints and the Falcons play in Week One. Michael Thomas mm-hmm. with a pair of touchdowns. He looks back. Jarvis Landry looks like he's as good as he's ever been. Winston is competent in the fourth quarter when they need him to be. And on the other side, the Falcons as well, like Mariota, he looked, he looked better. Did he look better than Matt Ryan? Mariota, he was athletic. He was moving around. So the, the familiarity these teams have with the Bucks and the trouble that they have. I mean, Atlanta's not going to beat them, but the Saints have been a feisty team there. And the fact that they know him, I just I'm just worried that Tom Brady again. I mean, how is Tom Brady not going to go out on top, Sam? He is just he's going to retire with the Super Bowl. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. He's been the Thanos of the NFL ever since he's gotten in there. He's going he's going to be in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. re- representing the NFC this year. It is it's inevitable. Unless, of course, Jameis Winston is able to stop him. And I don't think Jameis Winston is the football equivalent of Robert yeah. Downey Jr.'s Iron
0: Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see many alternatives. And um, it's, yeah, it's rough in that conference. And I, I definitely think that, you know, they've definitely moved to near the top. You know, I still hold a uh, little hope for the Rams, but they're obviously better, the Bucks are. And um, it's interesting. It's always fun to project to the future, and we'll see where these guys are at in another 17, 18 weeks, um, injuries and all that. But right now it's definitely looking like, you know, definitely looking like, the uh the why am I playing the Bucks are going to be playing are going to continue to roll this year with uh, great quarterback play from Tom Brady, who may be the secret coach of the team anyway. You know, he might be running the whole thing. So maybe, you know, they need him more than he needs them. So um, any other any other teams you really wanted to touch on? Um, anything else you had notes on? I guess it was surprising the Giants destroyed the Titans, but or not destroyed, but beat them. I think it was an interesting game.
1: Was it? I think we were both kind of out on the on the Titans. Russ's return, back in Seattle,
0: Broncos country. Let's sigh. That's what I heard. Um, that was. I mean, was got duel by Geno Smith. It was kind of interesting to see how bad that offense was near the end of that game. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been saying in
1: the preseason. I think the Broncos fourth team in the division. It's a good division and the Broncos are a good team. I think they're the the fourth team in that division. I thought there was good value there with that, that future before the season started the, the Russ, the Russ returned to Seattle. Seattle is victorious. Geno Smith actually looks like a competent quarterback. He looks like he's actually playing the healthiest, best football he has since he was at West Virginia. He's moving around. He's making stuff happen. And, there was just a lot of there was a lot of question marks for this Broncos team, a lot of things I wanted to wait and see. There's a lot of new pieces. One of them obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator they brought in from the Packers. You could see the Packers' influence immediately with how they run their offense. They're doing all the same stuff with tight ends and the bootlegs and it's basically a carbon copy. So we'll see how that works out the long term because I've been critical saying that that offense has not adjusted in the playoffs the way it needed to. To step up and win these games, so we'll we'll see if they get to the playoffs how that works out. But they're doing the Packers stuff on offense. They get to the end of the game. Sam he messes up the clock thing. This is a this is a classic rookie coach mistake. This is something you're supposed to figure out in July in the meeting rooms. What do we do in these late game situations? He's not prepared. It costs him the game. I guess the thing is it's like if I get if he is going to kick a field goal, you bleed the clock. You don't take the timeout. You don't want to leave Seattle with. You want to leave them with as little time as possible. But I just can't imagine that you're, a field goal, a 64 yard field goal is your first thing. A 64 yards. I don't think you're like, we're
0: in field goal range. Yeah, it's interesting how much they don't trust their quarterback, you know, and, you know, they go for it even when it's so far away. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Seahawks just scored early and they held on. And for some reason, the, you know, the first team just uh, kept, or is it for some reason the the Broncos, you know, they 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 it seemed like he clicked a little bit, but they still need a little bit of time, a little bit of chemistry to um come together with Wilson, you know, get on that same page. Cause it definitely seemed like they were a little off. You know, there was some throws that could have been missed. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not mad because you know, I want to see as many losses to other teams in the AFC West because we need whatever he can get as Chiefs. But uh, it was it was definitely shocking to see how bad their team was in that second half.
1: Really how mismanaged it was. Bad look uh-huh. for the, the coach the, Looking first, at,
0: the first game. Yeah. Speaking of AFC West, Justin Herbert gets it done against the Raiders. Devontae Adams still, you know, Devontae Adams still doing Adams thing. 141 for one touchdown. And um him and car clicking, but you know, it's still still Justin Herbert at the end of the day with his uh 279, three touchdowns. And yeah, they didn't throw the they didn't run the ball much. Um this was throwing and um I don't know. It seems like people really, really love Herbert. I don't I mean I love him, but the hype for him is a little much sometimes. Um, where do you stand with Herbert? Is he is he right up there with Mahomes and company? Or you know, do you have him a little further down?
1: Yeah, he would be right behind Mahomes and Allen. Mahomes and Allen would be my top two. If I'm trying to win the Super Bowl this year, you know, I'm still Tom Brady's in the mix. And then yeah, maybe Herbert. Um, and then yeah, Kyle Shanahan an and Jimmy Garoppolo together.
0: You know, young quarterback to watch. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I'd have pretty much the same list. He's an interesting young prospect to watch because, you know, he's obviously just going to get better and he's going to be in some really big games coming up, you know, in the playoffs and trying to get in and stuff because they tend to be really on the line of playoff and non-playoff. So, um, you know, each each win counts and uh, they got one this week. So we'll have to see. Um, I, I like watching Justin Herbert, you know, uh, obviously, you know, can't love it too much because he's on the other team. But he's uh, I, I I think, you know, it's it's the year. It's the year for him to shut some haters up and uh, to blow up. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think that should be it for uh, a couple of games are, you know. Um, was there any other news you wanted to touch up on here? Games? We got the WNBA finals going on. The Aces go Becky Hammond. Oh. Yeah, shout out to Becky Hammond. There was big news today. I forgot. There's actually a couple of stuff going on. Um, first of all, Curry confirming that they did think about bringing back Durant. I think you know that was obvious that they were going to bring him back. Um, if they could, you know, obviously they had conversations about it. That would have been crazy. I kind of wanted to see. It. Did you want to see it? Do you want to see Katie go back? No, no. Yes, it was good while it
1: lasted. It was beautiful basketball. It was the best offense we've ever seen. We saw it. It happened. It dominated the league. I like it when... I like it like this. No. Let's balance it out a little bit more. Let's keep them off of Golden State. Golden State probably wasn't going to do it anyways because they're just in a really happy place with balancing the, the present and the future. And they've tried to set themselves up as an organization that, light, that is light years ahead. And they're, they're in a good spot to pull it off. And trading for Durant would really sacrifice that. It would really just, it would be like, okay, yeah, our timeline is now with these guys. Let's just, you know, a couple last rides together, win our rings, we'll be good to go. But they they, they, want, they have longer visions than that. They're dominating the NBA for a decade plus in their mind. You know, with how, however long they can build around a team around jo- Jordan Poole for, I guess, is their, is their plan. So they were never going to sacrifice that future. It was going to yeah. be a hard deal to pull off. And was Durant really going to come back and be second fiddle to Curry again? Like, I get the Warriors talked about bringing Durant back. But mm-hmm. did Durant – was Durant like, yeah, send me back to Golden State where I can uh, be back in that situation. I left because I didn't want to be the second guy. And Draymond's still there? Or are they still fighting?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's interesting to think, you know, what would be going on. Would he still be spiteful, still mad? What he fit? What he fit? I mean, that'd be pretty simple question. And you know, at the end of the day, they didn't bring him back for obvious reasons. Which makes sense. I I mean, I think they're building for the future now, especially with winning a ring last year. It's like you know, we they're not itching. They're you know, they they got a ring, so that should hold them down for a couple years while they transition um, from one team to the next. So um, also look at learning about it on the fly. Poor Giannis, he got ejected from uh, Euro basketball uh, quarterfinals. So Grace got eliminated. Always sad to see him gone. But, you know, something to keep an eye on out on as Luka Doncic, He balling with uh, Goran Dragic. So, you know, it's always fun to watch players overseas. Jokic, as we have more and more stars in the NBA, you know, the, it becomes more and more important to watch stuff overseas. But the big news gripping. The NBA. There's a little bit of talk beforehand about it. A little bit of interesting stuff brought up. But one of the most hated owners in the league, Robert Sarver, gets suspended for one year, ten million, after you know clearly showing he violated um, workplace standards. Um, there's definitely you know reports came out during the year. You know ESPN published a story in November. In 2021 you know talking about his you know his allegations of being racist and misogynistic and just claims that come out and uh the league you know finally came out and you know after their investigation found that you know he uh he made you know a lot of inappropriate comments about you know his female employees. Uh, you know, made a lot of, there was a lot of in, inappropriate conduct, you know, repeated the N word when recounting statements of others, you know, and Ray, you know, he was demeaning, horrible guy, horrible boss. We're pretty much saying worst boss. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, was something that we'd seen coming, you know, Sarver has been hated on in the past for not wanting to pay players. 10 million is the maximum fine permitted by the NBA. And, you know, the, the fine will be donated to organizations and things along the lines. But, um, you know, how, how do you think this will affect the on basketball play? You know, how, how does, how do teams now see the Suns? Cause you know, it's, it's, it's definitely hard to recruit, you know, it's definitely hard to bring in stars and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it, it there's more, more effects not only off the court, but on the court as well. I mean, it definitely affected him on the court in that Dallas series. It was one
1: of the big things that was looming over the organization. That was ultimately like a bunch of things coming together that, that led to them collapsing in that series and blowing it to the Mavs. So who knows? Last season, it was there was COVID stuff at the end of the season. The DeAndre Ayton contract thing was looming. The, the workplace environment stuff obviously was out there as well. So with that stuff, you know, like the Sarver will be serving that punishment, I'm sure there will it will take time to get that workplace back to a comfortable comfortable position. And with the on-court stuff, who knows? We like we we project the Suns are going to be contending this year. But if it leads to a fizzle out in the playoffs like it did it did last year. It did last year. Cost him a playoff series.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that loss was, you know, I mean, they fell apart. and You know, yeah, you got to at least put a little off-court stuff to it, you know. And, uh, you know, shout out to Silver. He, it seems like he's always trying to – it definitely seems like he's trying his best. You know, when you compare him to Goodell and other commissioners, you know, it's just a mess of what, you know, they – it's just night and day. And while he himself apologized, you know, that they didn't do things sooner along those lines, um, you know, you can definitely see, you know, that, that, that they try. And it's it's definitely nice to get reminded of the NBA being, you know, one of the most proactive leagues and um, continuing to push for equality. Um, I don't know why it totally slipped my mind, but earlier this week, your mans, Manu Ginobili, got enshrined in the Hall of Fame. You know, we, Spurs got – one of your Spurs, another one making it in. You know, what, what do you got to say, Rem? You're the fan, man. You're you're the one who watches mans. I always feel bad
1: when people, people make fun of the gold medal on the basketball resume. When they're like, hey, when you, when you bring up the – like how quickly do you have to get to the gold medal? That's like, maybe this guy isn't as elite as we thought, because that is the thing with Ginobili's resume. It's one of those resumes that one of the big things on it is that 2004 Olympic gold medal where he was awesome in Argentina. He was instrumental in those finals games. He is not a resume statistics kind of player. You had to be there to watch it. He was just the most exciting player at any time on the court he was on. He could do anything. He's my favorite player of all time. So he's well-deserved to be, in the hall of fame he's an all-time playoff player an all-time like game seven slash elimination game slash closeout game player time and time again in the finals he was 20 points to close 20 plus points to close out the pistons 20 plus points to close out the Cavs. elite in the later runs when they were going against miami the dunk on bosh obviously from that's a great highlight from that series shout out to Manon ginobili I love Manu Ginobili. Like I said, my favorite NBA player of all time. And the 0-4 Ale- the, uh, the oh. Olympic medal is the, is the medal. That is the one medal that you can talk about with pride because that was an amazing effort by him with that Argentinian team. And, you know, Luis Skol is on that team, and that's the only other guy I know because he played in the NBA. So Manu Ginobili, what a career.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I think that gold medal point is very excellent. I mean, you know, you, you you explained it perfectly. I mean, that he was able to beat USA with what he had. I mean, it, you know, that, that, that should put him in the Hall of Fame by itself. Um, yeah, a great player. And um, I'm really happy to see him in there. Tim Hardaway got put in the Hall of Fame. George Carl as well. Um, both really well-respected players and coach around the league. But, um yeah, that's honestly, that is probably the number one gold medal for basketball where I'm like, yeah, that was that was earned. And, you know, it really it really shook the U.S. I mean, you had the redeemed team in 2008 um, because, yeah, that was that was wild. I think that was in Greece, too. I know America had a horrible Olympics that time around. We got we got beaten in a couple of events. But, yeah, it's nice to see that your boy's in there. It's definitely um. Uh, fixing some riots, you know? So, um, I think that should be about it for, uh, the pod check out for one next week. We got another bunch of football going on this weekend. Another bunch of football across the ocean champions league. You know, I got to always shout out soccer stuff going on. Um, you know, go with blues and Chelsea. We just got a new coach. So we'll see. Little little 10 second Chelsea, you know. We got a new coach, we got a whole bunch of new pieces. I'm I'm hoping we'll get better because we've had a rough start to the season. But you know, I gotta get you in soccer ram. We'll get you one day. It's it's on the rise, man. Once once USA comes out here and wins the World Cup at home, we're gonna get you, man.
1: Who's your new coach? What's his comparison? What's his like
0: NFL NBA comparison? Um He's like he's like um let's see here. He's like a younger guy who his he has a really fast rise. I think a little bit of McVeigh, but of Kingsbury? You know, not he's not really as maybe he's he's definitely one more. He's under he's he's pushed teams that are underperforming. You know, not underperforming. He's overperformed with the teams he's had every year. Um, at rule. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he does things a little bit outside the box. Um, really great at player development, you know, maybe Andy Reed, Andy Reed. We'll go with, uh, we'll go with my man out here. He's always pushed teams, you know, Reed, Reed has been consistent. And so is this guy, you know, 11 shown, wins, was shown, Alex has been the best. I mean, every Reed year? Took... Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he hasn't done it as many years, but uh maybe, you know, maybe a little bit of Shanahan, you know, a little bit of outside the box kind of stuff. But yeah, Graham Potter. And we just got bought out by the American owner Todd Boley, you know, spent the most ever by a Premier League team. So it's a new day in Chelsea, new day in London, you know. Also, Queen died, so that you know, rest her soul and um that of course played a part in um you know our team and all that, but that's about it you know our overseas going overseas a little bit you know we'll get we'll get you in soccer one of these days best growing sport in america most growing sport in america just you wait um but check out for our other pod our other content on spot.media that's spop.media um we have our podcast up there we also have it up on spotify apple music and wherever you get your podcast and uh yeah thank you for listening